What a great season we're in as a church and as has just been announced, uh, thank you Ben, that we're heading into our season, which is an annual season, but it's a season of vision and it's a season of why we do the things we do, what we do in here and uh, it's called, let's all say the word, legacy. Come on, let's say it like really loudly and powerfully. Let's just say it, legacy. It's a new series that I'm kicking off today and it's going to go through to the end of July and I realise this is entering into the holiday season and we tend to work this around the school holidays which tend to start in the last week of July when people go away but if you are going to be away before that then I'm going to encourage you to please do everything you can to keep up to date with the podcasts that are on the internet. You know it's really important that we're all keeping step with each other. Yeah, as a church, we're all hearing the same thing, going in the same direction, because this is a very important time for the church. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about different aspects of how the church is going to leave a legacy, and involved in that is the specific things, are the specific things going on over the next 12 months, and the things we're involved in on our, our um, development projects, and also... Um, our annual uh, financial commitment to the uh, offering that we receive in the third week every year of July. Now, if you've just come to the church over the last year, you've not been around for the Built to Last offering. And it's a time where we partner for a 12-month period. And of course, there are going to be different people in the church, those who are financial, um, you know, it's part of their their gift, their thing to be generous in the body of Christ. And we're all called to be generous, but there are some people that work with kids, some people that work in the band, some people that, you know, do the lights, some people that are on the connect team, and some people who lead financially. And if that's you, and perhaps you've only just been coming over the last year, and perhaps you've never been part of this offering before, then I'm going to be talking about that in the next two or three weeks. I can't remember which Sunday that is. But for next Sunday, we have Vision Sunday. And then on the 22nd of July, we have the Built to Last offering taking place on that Sunday. So it's important that we all keep up, keep in step, get stirred up, because this is an exciting time for Citygate Church. And I'm just aware of the time today, so I'm going to go straight into what we're talking about today, which is the first part of this new series. And I want to start with this statement, the greatest goal for all of us is to make a difference, to have an impact and to leave a legacy. Let that sink in today. You know, we're in a generation where it's about me, 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 me. Everything's about our comfort, our success. Personally, I'm talking about it's about our achievement, the stuff we're going to do, the thing we're going for, my goals, my, my, it's about me, 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 me. And it's been great in the body of Christ over the last 15, 20, 25, 30 years perhaps where we've, we've come to understand that God's got a word for me. God's got a word for you. And he wants to speak right into your situation. This is not just, well, we do church and then our everyday life is sort of divorced from church life. God's not interested in my everyday. He's not interested in my job. He's not interested in my finances. He's not interested in, in you know, the family and God's not interested in, in my life on a daily basis. We've come to understand over the last sort of generation that actually God is going to open doors for you, which no one can shut. 
God's got a place for you. God's got a destiny for you. God's got a purpose for you. Amen? And for me, and this is great, but how many of you know things in the church seem to pendulum swing? It's as if God, um, you know, He will restore a truth into the body of Christ, you know, perhaps every few years. So after the wars, there was a, there was a re-emphasis on the fact that God is a healing God. And all the way through the 50s, we had the tent crusades over here and over in the States. We have all sorts of healing evangelists were raised up after the, after the wars. Why? Because a lot of people needed restoration. A lot of people needed their, their hearts healed, their families healed, their bodies healed. And, and it was incredible to see A.A. A. Allen and, and all these incredible people with these powerful healing anointings upon their lives, their, you know, upon them. And then in the 60s, we had uh, an understanding of the church and, and all of all of a sudden, again, we had church planting start. Over here, we had the house church movement start in the late 60s going into the 70s. In the 70s, we had an understanding of a fresh understanding of, of God wants to teach us. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just in the churches. It was like all these, all these incredible teachers were raised up all over the world. And, you know, I'm sure you could think about their names as, I, as I'm talking about this. People standing up with this teaching ministry and that teaching ministry. And there was an incredible... Incredible teaching happened in the body of Christ. Of course, with teaching comes maturity. Then in the 80s, it's as if God restored an understanding of the prophetic in the church. And all of a sudden, churches were full of prophecies and people had a word and people were given a word and people were seeing visions and dreams again. These things are seasonal. It's almost happened over the last 50 years. Evangelist, pastor, teacher, prophet. And then in the, um, in the, from about 80, uh, 83 to about 88 or around that time there was the prophetic and then there was the apostolic was, was, was um, restored again in the body of Christ. What does that mean? And that means all of a sudden again we had churches that had an understanding, this is my territory. This is my region. God's given me the city. We started to sing songs like this back in the 88, 89 through to 91 to 95. God has given me the city. We're going to march in and take the land. And we weren't talking aggressively. We were talking with a spirit of faith and expectation that the church is here to make a difference in our generation. We're not just to be a church, you know, in four walls. We're to be a lamp on a lampstand, a city on a hill, a light in the darkness. Can I hear an amen this morning? And it's amazing how God restores things. But I believe that there's something happening in the body of Christ and certainly in Citygate Church right now. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says this, And God raised up for them David as king, to whom he also gave this testimony and said, Now, I don't know about you, but I want to hear something good that God says over my life. I don't know if you've ever been around a graveyard and read what's on the, the tombstones. It's not a hobby of mine, but it's certainly something I've done every now and again. And sometimes they don't say really anything, they just give a date. Died, lived and died. That was it. A name and a date. And I stand there and I wonder about, is that all this life added up to a date and a name 
Others say beloved husband or wife or father or grandfather or whatever they, and they add a little bit about, you know, a little bit of information about what was really important, which was family relationships. Others give some more detail and they don't give like a, a life history, but they might say, you know, this person brought joy to everybody or, you know, perhaps gave their life for a cause or something like that. And today's not a day to be heavy and start thinking about death and the end of our lives. But, but sadly, so often it's as if at the end of our lives we start to think and we start to look back about what our life added up to. This is incredible what God said about David. Of all the things he could have said. He could have said, this is the man that killed Goliath. He could have said, this is the man, you know, who went and you know, destroyed the Philistine armies. This is the one who discovered that, that, that Almighty God is the God of the breakthrough. This is the one who put on the ephod and brought through a, a, a great uh, victory for the people of God. This is the one who uh, he, he pursued, he overtook and he recovered everything that the enemy had stolen. This is the one who wrote Psalms. He could have said so many things, but let's hear what Almighty God said about David. He said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Of all the things God had said, of all the things that God could say over you or over myself, it seems to me that the thing that God really prizes above so many other things is this, this is somebody who's white hot for God, who's on fire for God, who's wholeheartedly and passionately involved with building the kingdom of God. This is a man, David, after my own heart, who will do all of my will. Now, if we just go down just a few verses to verse 36 we can find out what the will of God for David was. It says, for David, after he had served his own generation. Let's say that, served his own generation. You see, back then in verse 22, it says, I found a man after my own heart who will do all of my will. And now he specifies what the will was. And that was that he would serve his own generation by the will of God. He fell asleep. And he was buried with his fathers. I think if there was going to be anything on David's stone, it would be served his generation. Served his generation. And you know what? I don't believe that is something that, was, that is just for David. I believe that is something that is for the body of Christ in any given generation. That we are not here for the past. We're not really here just for today. We are here for what we can hand on to the next generation. This is the same David that said when he was just about 15 or 16 years old, something had gripped his heart even as a teenager. He said this when he was faced with Goliath, is there not a cause? He said, I've got something bigger to live for than the hobby. I've got something greater to live for than the next meal. I've got something greater to live for from just my interests and my hobbies. I've got 
the will of God to live for and serve a generation. David had a sense of destiny and purpose that gripped him and caused him to give his life for God and to be everything that God had called him to be, which was the greatest king Israel ever had. His life didn't end with a date. For even five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten generations afterwards, we have people like Hezekiah and Josiah who were used of God to restore things back into the, into the history of Israel and into the life of Israel. And so often it says this statement, and I love it. And we're talking generations later. And they restored the temple, and they sang the songs, and they built the walls according, in the same way as their father David as their father David, not as their father and their actual earthly father, their, you know, their father and mother, but as their father David. Why? Because they'd inherited more from David generations back than they had by the people that actually gave birth to them. I believe God wants us to be a church that hands on things to the generations to come. I think of Esther. In the Bible, there she is. Israel is in exile and all sorts of stuff going on. And it's said of this over Esther. Well, she says, if I perish, I perish. I'm going to go for this. How many people are going to go for this in our generation? Yeah. If I perish, I perish. If I hit the wall, I hit the wall. I've got something far greater to live for than my personal comfort. And what I'm just going to get for myself. But if I perish, I perish. But who knows? God has brought me to the kingdom for such a time as this. You know, we live in a generation where a lot's changing. We watched an advert. We had a film on the other day or yesterday. And, and um, there was an advert, you know, like a, um, in, the, in the gap in the film. And it was an advert that sort of, really shocked me about a program that's coming up and, and it was about sexuality and gen, you know, gender issues in our, in our gender, not gender issues, they certainly didn't call that gen, you know, what they want to celebrate now. And, and it, you know, I just said to Sharon, isn't it incredible what's changed in such a short space of time? Within literally two, three, four, five years at the most, the landscape has changed. History has changed. And it didn't take that long. Now, it's been coming for a long time and it's as if, you know, certain things have taken us by surprise. How much more can God save a nation in a day? How much more can God turn around the nations of the earth in a day? But so often the church gets all stirred up about some of these things and starts to criticize and, oh, I wish we'd lived back 50 years ago or just think back to the good old days or whatever. Can I say this? Do not curse the days that God has ordained you and anointed you to live in. Because we are here as the influencers. We are here as the ones to bring change. We are His. Don't curse the days. Don't curse the very people that God has called you to love. Don't criticise the people that God has called you to pour your heart out into. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. Don't criticise that which God has called you to be the answer to. <laughs> what is this word? What does this mean to us? To leave a 
legacy. It's not just something that old people think about. It's not a retirement fund. It's not just something you think about in the last few hours of your life. It is interesting what people think about when they're about the past. They're certainly not thinking about the car they had. Or how they decorated the house. (laughs) Or the watch they wore. Or the fashion they kept up with. You know what people think about? They think about lives. They think about the people they've loved and people that have been around them. But they often ask this question, and it's, I've, I've heard this so many times. They ask this question, did my life count for anything? Did my life make any impact at all? Or will I just be a date on a tombstone? I came and I went, and that's my name. Today's certainly not heavy. It's something to focus us a little bit as we go into the next season as a church. What does it involve to leave a legacy? It involves our focus. It involves our energy. It involves a purpose that we know we have. It's something that you build over the full length of your life. It's not something we start to think about in our final years, or I better start thinking about handing something on. No, you start to build what you're handing on when you're you're born. It's for the full length of your life. You're building something on a daily basis, making investments into your life, because who you are is what is going to be what you hand on. You know what, there's a test There's a God test, and uh, I'm not going to get into all the end times again and theological great white throne judgment and the judgment seat of Christ and all this sort of stuff. But you know what? There's going to be a couple of questions that God is going to ask. One, he's going to ask a whole group of people, and depend, in fact, everybody, and depending on their answer, it depends if they are are asked the second question. The first question is this. Excuse me, what did you do with Jesus Christ? What did you do with him? Oh, well, I went to church. No, that's not the right answer. I was a good person. No, that's not the right answer. I believed in Jesus. No, that's not the right answer. You know what the Bible actually says in that day? So many people are going to say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you. God is not interested on whether we believed in Jesus or whether we went to church or whether we even opened our Bible or even prayed. You know what he's interested in? Do we know him? Have we developed a daily relationship with God? Do we speak with God? Do we submit our lives to God? Is he our heavenly father and are we his children? And do we live like we are submitted to his lordship? Is there a relationship that is being built on a daily basis? If we answer that one correctly, then we're going to ask, be asked the second one. If we don't answer the first one correctly, and today's not a day about eternity in that sense, but it is about leaving a legacy. If we don't have the answer when he asks us, what did we do with Jesus Christ, then our eternity is set, and that eternity is an eternity apart from God. You don't have... T- time to live your life again and to put it right. But the second question is this, what did you do with your life on earth? 
And that's only asked to the people that know Jesus Christ. What did you do with the days, the hours, the weeks, the months, the years that I gave you? What did you do? Now, if you give your life to Christ and it's in the last few, few hours of your life, thank God that you did. Or the last few years of your life, thank God you did. But you know what? All of us here today, whether we've only just given our lives to Christ or whether we've been Christians for years, we all have this responsibility. We all have this, this uh, job now, really. It's a responsibility that we have, and that is to live for God, not just believe in Him. Nobody lives forever. We don't have the privilege of a second go at this. We have one shot at this life. As I was preparing for this, I really felt God say, and perhaps it's just for one person, or perhaps it's for me, or perhaps it's for all of us. Live in such a way that you don't need a rerun. I love to watch some repeats on TV. You know, some films I've seen so many times. I can almost say them word for word. Apollo 13, I know that film backwards. Houston, we have a problem. I know that film. <laughs> I know what's coming. That film only needs to be on for 30 seconds. And I don't care what part of the film it's in, I start tearing up. Seriously, it just happens. I don't know. It just happens. Why? Because I feel for what they're going through. doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. I've seen reruns. I've seen Faulty Towers. There was only ever 12 episodes of Faulty Towers. Do you know that? Only ever 12 episodes. I know them all word for word. They're hilarious. I've watched them and watched them and watched them. They're, they're just hilarious. But let's not live life like it's a rerun. We get one shot at this. Secure your future. Let's make investments every day to determine our eternity. Can I say this? The greatest investment that we can make is investing into people. Investing into people. You know what? The Lord Jesus Christ, he built big people. We don't overly have an account of his first 30 years of life. We have a little bit up to when he's 12 or little excerpts. And I don't know how much time he spent really inputting into people's lives. He was always an influencer. But from the age of 30, it's as if he touched somebody and they left everything and followed him. And he built into their lives and he taught them and he lived with them and he inputted into their lives. Why? He was building people he was handing over to. He was building, he was investing into people and it's because of that investment that you and I are here today. There would be no church if Jesus had not built big people. But it wasn't just... Christ, it was Elijah, focused on Elisha and gave him a cloak and a double portion. King David, focused on Solomon, gave him a crown and the plans to build the temple that David had in his heart. We find the incredible Moses who led the Exodus out of Egypt. He focused on Joshua. He gave him strength and courage and the job of leading people into the promised land. 
We think of the Lord Jesus Christ. He built people, but he really focused on Peter. And when he picked him up and he'd forgiven him after the denial, he gave him a fresh, a fresh dream and a fresh goal on the inside. And Peter had the job and he had the privilege of standing up on the day of Pentecost and seeing the first thousands of people come to Christ that very day. Paul, amazing man, amazing apostle of God through the New Testament. He focused on Timothy. He said, my son Timothy, the one I love, I've given you prophetic words, I've invested into your life. And he gave on to him the church at Ephesus and other works. After Jesus left, his work did not stagnate or plateau. It exponentially exploded and has continued to grow to this day. We are building a church here in Citygate who think more about the next generation than our next promotion. You see, we live in a generation where it's all about me, 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 me. And as I said earlier on, it's as if the pendulum swings. And thank God we've come to a place where we know that God's got a plan for my life. Amen? We know that. We get up every day and we're not afraid of that. We're not ashamed of that. We're not embarrassed. We're not arrogant about it. But we know God has a plan for my life. I can get up in the morning and I have a purpose. What is it? To do the will of God for my life. He's got a plan for me. We believe in the abundance and the prosperity of God, that God wants us to go from strength to strength and from grace to grace and faith to faith and from one place of, of success to the next place of success. God's got a business for you. He's got a job for you. He's got a family for you. He's got an employment for you. He, God's got a plan for your life. But can I say this? It's not all about you. And it's not all about me. Why? Because who we are only makes sense in the context of a bigger picture. In isolation, if all we have is me, 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 then we're not going to have the testimony of God over our lives that we served our generation. You know what we'd have? He served himself. He served his own vision. Uh, hello, are we getting anything out of this today? What actually stirs people? What actually motivates people? Why do people do what they do? I like to think about these things. Why do people do what they do? Why do people live the way they live? We can either, all of us have the same amount of time. We can either invest that time or waste that time. As I was thinking about this, I, I heard this. Don't ever confuse activity with progress. We can fill our lives with so many things which actually don't bring any progress for us or for the people that we are leaving a legacy for. Don't simply exist, live life to the full. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking, what is important to me? What's important to you? What do we say is important? Not necessarily the things that are shouting the loudest or taking up all of our time and demanding our attention. Those things may be the loudest influence, but they may not be the most important thing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
I don't know if you've ever done a time study of your time. Some things are urgent and important. Some things are urgent, but they are not important. Some things are important, but they are not urgent. Other things are not urgent, and they are not important. Start with the urgent, important things. But there are other things that are urgent, but are not important. And it's so easy in our day and age for our lives to be filled with things that are demanding our time, but in the scheme of things and in, in, and in the understanding of eternity or what God has for us, they are really not very important at all. Let's invest our time wisely into things that are important to us. You know, John 10.10 10 says this, the thief comes to, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that you may have life and life in all its fullness. We love this verse. We love this verse. The abundant life. How many of us want to live in the abundant life? All of us, I trust. But can I just, I don't want to in any way uh, change the written word of God, but let's put a bit of understanding to this. The enemy comes, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy your purpose. He's not just interested going around in killing, stealing, and destroying people just for something to do, just because he hates people. He wants to affect our purpose. He wants to affect what we're going to leave for other people. And so we can go on and say, and I have come, says Christ, and life to give you life in all its Fullness, or could I say this? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy your purpose, but Christ has come to give you a fulfilled life. A fulfilled life. What does it mean to be fulfilled? I'm asking a lot of questions this morning. We're going into a great series of, of who we are, how we're building, what we're going to do, where we're going, great things happening, and the church is going to move forwards in great advancement. Jesus said, I will build my church. God wants us, I believe, to leave a mark in history, not just individually, but corporately as Citygate Church in our generation. But what is it that actually brings fulfillment? Well, there's been studies done on this, and there are eight things, and these are in order of importance. The first one, as in the first one, this is the, this is the starting point. The first one is this, our physical needs. We need to eat. We need to, we need to breathe air. And as we eat and as we breathe air and as we wear clothes and whatever else, you know what? We have a sense of fulfillment. You know, hunger's been satisfied. <laughs> I think it's interesting that the very first one on the list seems to have become the goal of our generation. It's all about what you eat. It's all about what you wear. It's all about the physical side of who we are. But you know what? That's, that's just the beginning point. That's certainly not a goal in life. <laughs> that's where we start. Number two, very quickly, is our safety needs. You know that we feel secure, that we feel protected 
in our lives. It's a basic human need is to feel secure. The third one, these are in order. The third one is this, to feel, to have the need met of, of being loved and to know that you belong. The church should be the greatest place on earth where people belong. You don't have to, in, in, for somebody to belong in church, they don't have to believe something first. Hello? Come on, you're a very quiet crowd this morning. I thought this was the better crowd. You don't have to believe something before you belong in church. You can belong just because we're full of love. Just because God loves people. People fit in church whether they're a Christian or not. Hello? Oh, man. This is where the church has got it wrong over the generations. You've had to believe and, and line up with everything before you fit. Now, you still need to fit with God. Hello? But to fit here, you don't have to be anything. You don't have to act in a certain way. You don't have to believe a certain thing. You don't have to wear certain clothes or not wear certain clothes. You don't have to be a certain sexuality or not. You can fit here just because love says we love you. Love says you belong. That's the third need. What's the fourth need? It's the need for esteem. To know you're valued. You've been a success. You've... you've achieved something. Now, this is where most people sort of end up, oh, have I achieved something? No, we're only halfway through the list. What's the fifth one? Is the need that brings fulfillment in our lives is that we are constantly learning, that we're developing ourselves in our understanding, our self-awareness, information, Number six, we have a need which brings fulfillment and it's in the aesthetic realm. What looks and feels and sounds awesome. Things of form, things of, uh, of beauty. Number seven, what brings fulfillment in our lives? Self-actualization, which is this, self-development and self-fulfillment. So you can't put that out onto somebody else. Oh, pastor, develop me. Oh, somebody else, teach me. No, there needs to be a realm of, of we develop ourselves and we're investing into ourselves. We're talking here about what brings fulfillment in life. But number eight, which is where I wanted to get to today, is this, the most important thing, what we go for in life for us to be fulfilled people. Life in all its fullness. What is it? What is the, the very top of success, the top of fulfillment is this, and it's transcendence. Wow, this is really deep this morning, Pastor. I thought we were going to talk about just leaving a legacy. And what, what does it mean? It means to live beyond yourself. To live beyond yourself. Just in plain old English terms, helping somebody else. 
helping others. At the end of the day, all of the physical and the educational and the emotional and the exception, the acceptance and all of these self-actualization, fulfilling needs being met in our lives, there's still somewhere else to go and it is this and I believe it's at the very heart of God and that is that we live beyond ourselves. We don't just live for ourselves, we're living beyond ourselves. We're not just living for the next paycheck or for the next great preach or for the next great worship time. We are living in order to invest our lives into somebody else. <laughs> what does it mean to live beyond yourself? It means to be... It, it means to go further, to go beyond the horizon. That's a, that's a way that we use the word beyond. That we're going past somewhere we've ever been before. It means on the other side of something. Beyond those trees is a field. It's, it's on the other side of something. And so often for us to get into transcendent living, fulfillment where we're living for somebody else, we need to get beyond an obstacle or a hurdle. It could be an insecurity. It could be an inferiority. It could be a pride or an arrogance. It could be a rejection or a hurt. But we need to live beyond that in order to get into living for other people. Can I hear an amen? It can mean superior. It can mean superior. That was, you know, that person has understanding beyond the others. It means has a greater understanding. We're to live beyond ourselves, to live for a greater reason, a greater vision, and that is to live for other people. And it can also mean, you know, we sang earlier about this is beyond comprehension. It's past my understanding. What does that really mean? It's gone past the limits. And I believe in a church that goes past the barriers and past the limits, past what is normal church activity. You know, Sharon and I have been pastoring now for 26 years and we certainly have not given our lives for just normal, average, normal church. Whatever that means to you, I know what it means to me, that we're not just trying to build a church here, just that our oh, people are blessed, hallelujah, and, and isn't it lovely, and isn't it great, and what a great thing we're doing, and isn't that wonderful? No, heaven forbid that we just live life on some mediocre, um, average level. We want to live to make history and to hand something on to the next generation, to raise up people who are world changers and history makers. And I believe by the grace of God, that is exactly what is taking place here at Citygate. This must go hand in hand with vision. Next Sunday, it is the Vision Sunday. And we do this again, perhaps you've not been here for very long. Every year we have a Vision Sunday where we say, this is where we're going. And over the next 12 months, that is what we're going to fulfill. That's just how we do it. I'm not interested in some 50-year vision if we're not achieving goals on an annual basis. Are you with me today? Yeah. Live life beyond yourself. Everybody needs a vision and a dream. It says in Acts chapter 2, young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. You never outgrow or go beyond the need to dream about your tomorrows. Why did Paul call his challenges light 
and temporary. I, I love the Apostle Paul in the Bible. If you read what went on over those you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that we know of, of his life, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten with rods, he was stoned to death, he was thrown in and out of prison so many times, and yet he said, this is light and momentary. And he's like, are you for real? Dear God, I know people that will go through a fraction of what you go, and they go, this is heavy and permanent. But he says, light and momentary. In reality, they were not light and momentary. They were heavy. They were permanent, some of them. They were destructive. But you know why he was able to say that? It's because of his perspective and focus in the context of the vision and the dream that Paul had. He said, I press in to the high calling. I count everything else as dung for the sake of what I'm doing for Christ. I want to ask us this today as I have the band up, please. What words define your life? What words define your life? You see, we don't just start to make plans for this at the end of our life. And today is not all about individually what are we going to leave for somebody else. That's not what today's about. I believe that if we have a, you know, 500 people here today and everybody fulfills the will of God for their life, that's great. But you know what? We're not going to have 500 names remembered in history. It's just not going to happen. But what we can have is one body of people that makes a difference for the generations to come. What's going to be said over your life and my life? What words define us, even right now today? What words define Citygate Church? Is it honesty and integrity? Or is it dishonesty and control and manipulation? Is it kindness and mercy? Or is it harshness and judgmentalism? Is it encouraging and strengthening? Are these words that would describe you and I? Encouraging and strengthening or is it undermining and critical? Is it joyful and positive? Or is it heavy and negative? As we go through this series, we're going to look through four core principles of leaving a legacy. Four core principles, four things that are going to be at the very heart of who Citygate is and what Citygate is going to continue to become. This is a series about what the church is and what we're going to be. And there are four things that I believe are absolutely vital and fundamental to leaving a legacy. Number one, it's going. What does that mean? To go with passion. At the very heart of a church that fulfills the plan of God for its existence is this, the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're a church who knows how to pray and every January we have a month of praying and fasting and we're praying for people you know, to come to Christ. And thank God we're seeing a lot of people come to Christ, it's great. Seeing people come to Christ, getting baptised and set free and, and all sorts of great things. It's fantastic. But you know what? It doesn't say in the Bible for us to pray for people to get saved. You know what it says we are to pray for? Pray that God would raise up the church as labourers who would go. 
into the highways and the byways and compel people to come in. Am I saying it's wrong to pray for people to come to Christ? No, of course it's not wrong. But the emphasis, I believe, is not on the praying for God to do His job. It's the going for the church to do their job. Go into all the world. Go into the highways and the byways. Go with a passion. What are we going to hand on? What are we being built into as a church? We're being built into a church that goes. What else are we building here to hand on? And that is serving, to serve with intensity. Where we each find our place today. In fact, the football's going to be starting in a few minutes time. Come back, come back, come back. And there's going to be 100,000 people in the stands and there's going to be 22 and the ref on the pitch. I want to live life on the pitch. Hello? I want to live life on the pitch. I don't want to live life in the stands. Again, because of the pendulum sling, you know, swing of what's gone on. You know, church was a place where people knew they had responsibility. And they shared the burden. And they shared the dream. And we were all shouldering what was going on and because of the pendulum swing, people have now even changed their, their understanding that people go to church. You don't find anything in the Bible about going to church. We are the church. Hello? We are, you don't go to church. We are the church. And what does that mean? That we shoulder the responsibility. We live life on the pitch. We have ownership and responsibility for what is going on. What else do we need to understand and to build for us to leave the legacy that God has for us? Number three, giving. Giving. Give with generosity. That we're giving our time, we're giving our words, we're giving our attitude, we're giving our faith, we're giving our prayers, we're giving our finances, we're giving every part of our lives to sow into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I will build my church, but in reality, it's the people that do the work. And I believe as we go into this next season, I want to say this financial blessing has a higher purpose. We're a church that understands prosperity. We understand wealth. We understand that God wants us to excel financially in the most amazing ways. But outside of the context of the church and seeing the success of the kingdom forcefully advancing, all we're going to do is stand up before God and say, Hey God, I got a great salary. Hello, come on, I'm preaching better right now. God, I got a great salary. God, I, I was able to buy a car cash. Or God, I, hey, I was able to have four houses and I, and I was able to get my passive income from the three that I rented out. And God says, you know what? What did you do with your life? What did you do with your finances? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also, God says. And number four, what else are we going to build in order to, to build a we're going to build community. We're not just building a building. We're going to be talking about the plans we have over the next few months and years. But we're not just building a building. Heaven forbid that all we do is build a building. What are we building? A community of people that will grow through the generations. We're building big people. We're building community influence. And I do believe after, even after what I've just said that we're in a day of building cathedrals again in the generations in the past and they're still 
there today, people can say, wow, look what was built for the glory of God. And I thank God we've been in a church planting season over the last 30 years, 40 years, and there are so many churches. We've got churches in schools. We've got churches in community halls. We've got churches in social clubs. We've got churches in houses. We've got churches all over the place. But I believe the time has come that we don't just build cathedrals to companies and corporations. And we don't just build cathedrals to political entities. We build cathedrals to the glory of God that can last the test of time. And people can say, look what the Lord has done in our generation. Let's all stand to our feet here today. Did you get anything out of that? Wow. Come on, let's lift our hands to God right now. We're standing at a a time of incredible opportunity and breakthrough. What an honour and a privilege it is to build a a dream and a vision in order to leave something for the next generation. And those coming up, Lord God, we want to, Lord, invest in our generation. You said over David, he served his generation by the will of God. And Father, today we thank you, God, that we're in the kingdom for such a time as this. That you said, I will build my church and that that church would enlarge and lengthen and strengthen and expand to the left and to the right. We thank you, God, that as we each prosper and succeed in our own lives, Lord, that's part of a bigger picture. Father, we thank you, God, that today your anointing is in this place, not just to give us a feeling, but for purpose. Greater love to love other people. Greater prosperity to build greater things in our community. Greater joy in order to encourage other people. Greater faith in order to set other captives free. We thank You God that everything You do for us and in us is for purpose for other people. You want to teach us so that we can teach others. Father, today we receive a greater measure of your kingdom and of your presence for us to invest in the lives of others and we believe it today and we receive it in Jesus name and everybody said Amen. Amen. Come on turn to someone say this is my time to build a legacy to leave a legacy come on say this is my time to serve my generation by the will of God I give my life for the cause of Christ, in Jesus' name, Amen. Come on, let's give God a shout in this place.